0: Hi, welcome to the Gathering at Adele's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins on Resurrection Sunday. We hope you are encouraged, empowered, and enriched by these words of wisdom. Thank you. God bless. All right, Luke chapter 24, it says, this is after the death and burial of Jesus, and it says, on the first day of the week. Very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? asked the men. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men be crucified and rise on the third day? And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women that were with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, I love Peter, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths. So he went away amazed at what had happened. Father, we just come before you today. We open up your word. Pray that you would lead us and guide us, that you would be the teacher. That every word that comes out of my mouth is for the encouragement and the edifying of the body. Every word that I speak has the power of life in it. Father, may, may you be glorified today. Jesus, may you be exalted in all that we do. Amen. Amen. You know, we're here, we're, we're celebrating today the, the death, the burial, but primarily the resurrection of Jesus Christ of one man and you think about that what what is unique is the crucifixion unique to Jesus no it's estimated that the romans executed this sounds harsh 100 to 150,000 wow. by crucifixion in one war against the christians they cru- uh, crucified 6,000 at one time so, so the, the crucifixion is not unique to Jesus. So we, we don't celebrate because, oh man, that has never happened before in history. He died, was buried, and came back to life. In, in the Bible, there's stories of other people being dead, coming back to life. There's a story of, of the prophet Elijah raising, to, raising back from the dead uh, a, a young boy. Then the guy after him, a prophet after him, Elisha, did the same thing. Raised a young boy up from the dead. This story, sometimes stories, you reread them, you're like, have I never read that before? And 2 Kings chapter 13, this will blow your mind. 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, it says that there were two men and they had a dead body with them. And they were going to bury him. But they were afraid that they were about to get overtaken by the Moabites. So they threw him in Elisha's tomb. As soon as the body hit Elisha's bones, the man came back to life. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, right? There, there was even a story of Jesus where there was a, a, a young man in a coffin, and they were in the funeral procession, and he looks in and says, hey, get up. So, so the crucifixion is not unique to Jesus. Being raised from the dead is not unique to Jesus. We have stories, miracles today of people that were dead and come back to life, people that in the hospital, they go up to heaven and they come back, and there's movies and books about it now, and it's incredible. But that's not unique to Jesus, that what is unique about Jesus is that it was promised and it was given. They said it was going to happen, and it did. The cross was a punishment for criminals. You, you see, Jesus didn't take a couple of wrong turns, make a bad decision, a poor investment, and now he ended up there on the cross. Jesus's life was gradually and intentionally always pointed in the direction of the cross. The cross was for criminals, but yet it wasn't because that Jesus was a criminal that he ended up there. They said he was blasphemous. They said he was a criminal, but he wasn't. He didn't end up there by accident, but every movement that he made, every step that he made was gradual and intentional towards the cross. Even on the the last Breath in John chapter 19, verse 30. Jesus is breathing his last breath, and he says this word. It's three words in English, and it says, It is finished. it's It's a Greek word that it's teleo, T E L E O, teleo. And what it means is to fulfill. Jesus says, It is finished, but what he really is saying is, Everything that has been said about me has now been fulfilled. The power of the word. So like the mystery and the uniqueness of the cross is not because it only happened to Jesus. The mystery and the uniqueness of the cross and why we're here to celebrate is because it was promised and it was given. Yep. All of the prophecies and pr- promises were fulfilled through Jesus on that cross. Anyone can make a prediction. Having it come true is a whole different story. And the more specific the prediction the more difficult it is for it to come true. One, one thing that's been thrown around a lot lately is, man, the housing market's about to crash. Man, we've been saying that for a year. And we're if you say it long enough, eventually it's true, right? It's gonna crash, it's gonna crash. If it crashes in 2027, it's like, I told you guys, where, why haven't you been listening? It's like, man, you said that five years ago. What are you talking about? Right, another one, they, they say, man, we're in the last days. Jesus is coming back soon. And they emphasize, soon, and it's like, Yeah, he might. It might not be soon. You know how long they've been saying Jesus is going to be coming back? Soon? Ever since he ascended up into heaven. Can you imagine? Like, it's bad now. Like, we agree, it's bad. But can you imagine at the fall of Jerusalem, the holy city, they're, they're barricaded in there. The Romans are murdering, crucifying, killing, starving God's people. Don't you think in that moment they said, man, he... He's got to come back soon. Like, look at the world. And, and, and we look at politics. We look at the dollar. We look at the housing market. We're like, man, Jesus is coming back. Man, look at this place. It changes if you say, hey, on November 12, 2023, Jesus is coming back. <laughs> Makes it a little harder to go, oh, man, that, that's an exact date. That better come true. You know how many people have said those exact dates and not one of them have come true? Jesus said no one knows the, the hour, not even the sun. So, so to make a prediction, it's easy. I can throw it out. Oh, man, the, the the Cowboys, man, it's their year, right? And I can give you all the reasons why it's going to be their year this year, even though it hadn't been for 20 years. But this year, and we can all say it, but for it to come true, it's a lot harder. One of my favorite times of the year is uh, March Madness, NCAA tournament. Man, every year, me and my dad over here, we, we have a group of guys that we fill out the brackets. And we're in a group of about 12 of us. And every year, I look at my bracket. Oh, my, Noah, my son, is in it. Uh, he got last year, just saying. Uh, <laughs> but every year, like me and Noah are talking this year. And he's like, man, Dad, I, I, I like my bracket. I'm like, man, I say that every year, too. And every year, I, like first day, I'm out. You know, it's like it's a three, four-week tournament. First day, it's like, well... The number one seed lost, I'm out. But you make this prediction, you're like, dude, this is it right here. You know, in the in the history since we've been doing the brackets, not just our group, but all across the world, there's never been one perfect bracket. The odds of doing a perfect bracket are 1 in 120 billion. Pretty hard. And no one has done it. So it's like, okay. That, that's some pretty bad odds. I, I, I don't feel so, you know, if I would have known that before, I probably would not have been as confident. Like, uh, this is the one all you 120 billion people are going to have to pay up today because I got it. Nope, I'm wrong every year. The prophecies of Jesus, if you were to take just eight of them, just eight of the prophecies, the, the, the number that everybody agrees on is 48, and, and there, there's... You, you dig a little deeper, the theologians, people not like us, they dig a little bit deeper and they can come up with like 496. But, but 48 is pretty settled. But the odds for Jesus to fulfill eight prophecies is one in 10 with 17 zeros. 120 billion has, I believe, 10 zeros. Could be wrong. And no one's ever done that. For, for the prophet for only eight prophecies of Jesus to come true, for him to only have fulfilled eight, would be one in 10 with 17 zeros. It, it would be like if you took a silver dollar, put an X on it, and then, then you took 10 with 17 zeros on them, that number of them, you put them in the state of Texas, it would cover the state of Texas, two foot tall. Mix them up, blindfold a guy, put him in the middle of Texas or a woman, blindfold a person, put him in the middle of Texas, tell him you can travel as far as you want in the state of Texas. They're blindfolded. And then, whenever you stop, like the crane game at, at the film alley, you get one pick. That's the chance of Jesus just fulfilling eight of them. What's unique is he fulfilled every prophecy and promise that was written. Every letter of the law, he fulfilled it. If Jesus was to fulfill 48 of the prophecies that that we can all kind of agree on, even people like you and me, just normal people, we can go through the Bible and figure it out, 48 of them, would be the odds are 1 in 10 with 157 zeros. Nearly impossible And yet he did it. That's why when he breathed his last breath, can you imagine not just the weight that was on him with his body hanging on the cross, slumping down, the weight of his own body, the weight of the sin of the world was on him, but yet the weight of one and 10 with 157 zeros was on him. He had to be that one. Can you imagine what that felt like? And that is why we celebrate him today. But, I mean, like, think of a couple of the prophecies. Can you imagine? Okay, there's this guy, Micah. 700 years before Jesus was born, he predicted the birth of Jesus. Like like the city of Jesus' birth. Can you imagine? We're in 2023, right? Still, it goes by fast. i got to keep up with it. We're in 2023. Can you imagine if we all stood around and we predicted where the next leader of the world in 2723 was going to be born? What city? (laughs) Right? Forget the world. Just think of the the next president in 2723. Where is he going to be born? Sure, you know, some of the educated ones would be. Hey, New York, Philly, LA, right? The most popular. But but the chances of you getting that right in 700 years. David predicted a 1,000 years before Jesus' birth. Not predicted, prophesied how Jesus would die. So can you imagine prophesying someone who's going to be born in a 1,000 years that you don't know how they're going to die? I mean, just unreal the prophecies that Jesus, like, You can think of some of the easier ones to fulfill, right? But he fulfilled every one of them. No matter how great those odds were, it was on his shoulders and he fulfilled them all. That's what makes his death, burial, and resurrection unique. But that's not why we celebrate it today. We celebrate the resurrection because through it, we have the forgiveness of sins. I mean, the weight that Jesus had on him, the weight of the sins of the world, was incredibly heavy. But the, the weight that you have to carry around of your own sins, can you imagine if there was no forgiveness and you had to hold on to all of them for your entire life? You never got to go, Lord, I just give you this right now. Man, the way way that I did that, the way that I thought about that, and, and you just had to throw it on you time and time again. His death, burial, and resurrection is unique, but that's not why we celebrate. We celebrate because there is forgiveness of sins. That by his body and his blood, his body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. We now get to stand clean before the Lord. Like, like there's, there's nothing that the enemy can go, oh, well, Tony, you're a liar. No, man, I was. I was a liar. That's the old me. You know, there, there's nothing that, the, no accusation that the enemy can throw at us that cannot be forgiven. He can say, oh, Jeff, you love Dr. Pepper too much. And you're, what, you're right. But I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Be, before Jesus, it was the blood of bulls and goats and rams. It was grain offerings, a dove offering. You would, you would offer up these sacrifices of other animals to appease God. It, the blood of bulls and goats and rams never forgave anybody. It only delayed the payment. The payment was always necessary. I use the illustration of when you go and pay with a, with a credit card, you're not actually buying anything with a credit card. You're delaying the payment for 30 days. When you pay the credit card bill is when now you have bought that new TV. You've delayed it by 30 days. The blood of bulls and goats and rams never forgave you. Never made you right with God. Never had God declare you the righteousness. Never made you clean. Because in Isaiah it says, though your sins were like scarlet, you'll be white as snow. We celebrate the resurrection because now I can walk forgiven. It says, the word says that there is no shame, condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Does that that mean that that we'll never sin? No, we're going to sin. But there's forgiveness over that. It says where sin abounds, his grace, the Greek word there means super abounds. Where sin is present, his grace is there even more present. Ephesians 1, 7, I think it's up on the screen. Do you mind if I just read it from there? It says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, of our sins, through Him. We celebrate this resurrection because, man, I can stand before God pure and clean. The things that I did yesterday, the day before, when, when they are confessed, they are forgiven. Not, not just like in the moment, not, not just, oh, okay, let me, let me go back to the cross. No, all of sin for all of mankind has already been forgiven. Every sin you will ever commit your entire life that your kids will ever commit, that your mom and dad have ever, they've all been forgiven. The resurrection matters because not only is there forgiveness of sin, but it broke the power of sin over us. If you are a Christ follower, sin has no power over you. That's a a powerful statement. Sin has no power over you. Sin had no power over Jesus. He was tempted in every way that you and I were tempted, but yet it held no power over him. In the same way, you and I are able to walk in that same power and authority, and we can tell sin no. Before Christ Jesus, before his blood, his death, burial, resurrection, we were powerless to sin. We could try, we could want to, we could self-will it for as long as our self-will would last. And some of y'all's is a lot longer than mine. And you could do really good at it. But without the resurrection, there would be power of sin over you still. Romans 6, 6 and 7. It'll be up on the screen. Look at this passage. This is a good one. It says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin. See, I'm not making it up. I got it straight from the word. That, That the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. We were slaves to sin. Sin had all the power over us, and now the power is in us. The same power, the the word says, Colossians 2, says that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. Everything that Jesus had access to, we have access to. Every ability that he said to say no to sin, we have that ability also. We are no longer slaves to sin. That's exciting. We because if we are no longer slaves, then we are sons yes. and we are daughters. Yes. Yes. On, Where before Christ, we were slaved not just we were slaves not just to sin but to the patterns of this world. We were trapped in cycles of sin. But now we're a son. We're a daughter of the risen King. And now we're free from that. You see that the son doesn't have to work like a slave does. The son has access to everything that the father has access to. I'd, I'd like to tell this story of mom and dad when I was growing up. Of you know, I would go to uh, this is back in Strawn where you could still have a charge account. You know, and for lunch we'd go in there and we'd charge up lunches, and some of us would charge. Snacks and dinners and breakfasts and snacks in between there. Skip class and go get that. And It would lead to some hard conversations. Not really hard for them, hard for me uh, to, to have to hear. But now I hope they're seeing that I was just acting as a son. I had access to everything that the father had. But a slave has to work for a living, has to earn a right to be on the land. But we are no longer slaves, but we are sons and daughters of the Most High. We have access to the Father. We don't have to earn our way. We just get to be with Him. We don't have to schedule an appointment. We don't have to dial it up. Hey, does the Father have time for me? We're a son. We're a daughter. We have unlimited access to the Father. The resurrection matters because it tore the veil of separation. When Jesus was on the cross, he breathed his last breath. It says that the veil of separation was torn. The the two-foot-wide curtain, 60-foot-tall curtain, ripped in half. Actually, it was from bottom to top. Ripped in half. The veil that separated man and God was torn. The resurrection matters because now we have access to the Father. You are as close our pastor at the Brock campus says this a lot. You are as close to God as you want to be. There's nothing that separates you now. There's, there's no chasm anymore because Jesus has already bridged that. There, there's no do this and do that, that you have to earn your way into him. You are as close to him as you want to be. If today right now you're like, man, I just don't feel like I'm me and Jesus are, are, are there. You need to examine your life then as I would too. Because he is there and you have unlimited access. You are as close to him as you want to be. The veil of separation was represented by the law. It was the law that separated. Like you're not good enough to enter into the holy of holies. The law had rules and regulations. And even though that veil was torn, we put other veils in that place. We say, oh, I I can't go to church today the, the way that I drank last night. I, I can't go to church the the what the thing that I posted on facebook oh man I had to delete it immediately I, I can't go to church because everyone there is going to judge me I can't go to church because I don't look like them we we put these rules and regulations I haven't read the word this week I can't We put the veil of rules and regulations in place of the veil that that separated us from God. And and what I'm saying to you today, that veil of separation is done. You don't have to earn your way to church. You don't have to earn your way into his presence. We are no longer separated from him. With that veil, religion will let you get close. But it will never let you in. Because it will always tell you you're not good enough. You don't deserve it. You haven't acted right. Religion will never let you get all the way. It will let you get close. But not touch. It's like going to the big aquariums. And man, you can get really close. That glass is thick. But you can get really close. But you can't touch. One time we went to uh, a zoo in Abilene. And uh, we were... Feeding the uh, giraffes. Have you ever got to feed the giraffes? Lettuce, you know, it's, it's fun. Uh, I, I mean, I was like, I mean, I, I say we went. Like, I took my kids with my wife to the zoo. I'm, I'm 34, 35 at this time. Way too old to do what I st- I'm about to tell you that I did. But we're, we're feeding the giraffes, you know, and like, you kind of play with it a little bit. And it stuck its tongue all the way out. And I don't know what happened. I had a momentary lapse, and I just grabbed the tongue. And the lady, like, my wife is horrified. And the lady goes, sir, please, please let go of the giraffe's tongue. And I let go. I was like, I don't, I don't know what happened. But it was awesome. I mean... Religion, religion will let you get close. But it'll never let you take hold of it. Maybe that works, maybe it doesn't. The veil of separation has been torn. But yet we still operate in the old mindset that God is too holy. And I am too unholy. We think that God doesn't want to be with us because of us. But it's really us that don't want to be with him because of us. We think he is so holy and I am so unholy. He is so righteous. He is pure. He is perfect. And he is. But so are you. you. You are the righteousness of God. I'm not declaring that over you. The word declares that over you. That's not just some preacher that's going rogue today. You are the righteousness of God. You have every right to be in the presence of God. Nothing disallows you from being able to be there. The resurrection matters because it was the death of death. If death was final, what do we have to hope for? The resurrection matters because it was the death of death. Death, it's 1 Corinthians, I think, 15 55. It says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Like, it matters because what the enemy thought that he could always hold over us was death. Death, we're, we're so afraid of death. But if you're a Christ follower, there is no death. Sure, we cease to be on this earth or, or with you guys, but there is no death if you are in Christ Jesus. Because if we have been crucified with him, if we've been buried with him, if we've been baptized with him, then we will walk with him again, we will live with him, we will be resurrected with him also. The thing that the enemy thought he had on you was to terrify you of death. What's on the other side? Oh, man, I don't want to. And so we hold on to all of the things on this world. We try to get all the things so that we can have all the fun. That way, when we go out, we thought, man, we have done it all. We're so afraid that, oh man, I, I, I don't want to die yet. I, I want, I want to see my daughter walk across the state, across the down the aisle to get married. And I do. But, but do I want to see that more than I want to see the resurrected Jesus? No. Do, do I, do I want to see the good things that my kids have in store for them? Absolutely. But they pale in comparison to stand in face-to-face with Jesus. The enemy tries to tell us that these things are the most important. But if I pass away, who's going to take care of my wife and our 42 kids? If I pass away, who's going to take care of the church? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Who's? We think we're so important. The enemy just always says, oh, man, you can't go yet, not now. And we do everything we can to hold on to life. Because I don't think we really have hope in the afterlife. We put all of our hope in here and we forfeit the hope of what it's gonna look like to be with Jesus. I mean, we hear what it is like in, in heaven, like I, I, there's lots of bad visions and comparisons of heaven, but, but what we hear and see in the word is that there's no more tears, there's no pain, there's no sorrow. The streets are paved with gold. That, that we get a new glorious body. Some of y'all aren't excited. I'm really excited about that. Whoo, good. More Dr. Pepper. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it all passes away anyways. But like, a new glorious body, streets paved with gold, eternity with the Father, never separated from Him. You're with Jesus, no tears, no pain, no sorrow, and yet we're like, I'm holding on right now, man. No, this is where I want to be. You serious? You'd rather be here? I'm not going to say in your bodies because that would be rude, but I'll say it for me. I would rather be here in my body? No way. It was the death of death, and I have hope, in the the resurrection matters because, man, I can put my hope in him because there is something more than what's going on right here. Paul said in in, uh, Philippians, Paul said, to live is Christ." To die is gain. He said to be present in this body, I'm only doing it for the Lord. But to die, man, that's to gain everything. Death is not final. We tend to think that death is the last step, it's the first step to eternity. When we pass away from this earth, life truly begins. You have not lived yet. Like, like we think like this is living, like man, this is so good. Man, this is nothing. The resurrection of our bodies and eternity in him, that's what living is. The resurrection matters because there is forgiveness of sins. The resurrection matters because it broke the power of sin over you. You are no longer a slave, but you are a son and a daughter. The resurrection matters because the veil of separation was torn. The resurrection matters because death is gone. It says that the last enemy to be defeated was death. So we're going to respond to the message because if we just come here and we're like, oh man, that was good. And then we walk out. Are you like, yeah, that was okay. And then we walk out. If we don't allow the Holy Spirit to teach us in this moment, then we've wasted time. Yes. So here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, is there, is there anything that you need to ask for forgiveness of? I'm not saying go back to third grade and you stole a sucker from the, the convenience store. not saying that at all. But I'm saying, man, is there something that you, that's right there on the forefront that you're like, man, yeah. That's right there. I've just been pushing it to the side. I need to ask for forgiveness for that. Is there there a cycle that you're stuck in that you feel like, man, I just, I feel powerless to this. Then in a minute when we pray, we're going to say, you're just going to say, man, I'm not powerless to this. I'm not powerless to pride, to gossip, to greed, to lust. I'm not powerless to addiction. You're just going to begin to declare over you that Everything that Jesus had, I have. Do you feel separated from him? When we pray, just say, Father, why do do I feel a separation between us? And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And the last one is, as we pray, just begin to say, Father, do do I fear death? more than I fear out, fear I'm missing out with you. Is my hope in this world, or is it my hope in the eternal life? So I'm just going to pray over you guys, genuinely respond in, in this moment. People are going to close their eyes, bow their heads, just because it's distraction, free that way. So everybody close your eyes. If, if in that moment, something was spoken, you felt a prompting in your spirit, Maybe you've never felt that before and you're like, oh, that's, that's different, I don't know what that is. Just say, Father, what is that? What are you trying to tell me right now? So Father, we just come before you with your word. Father, is there anything in us that we just need to lay at your feet? You paid the price for it. It's not mine to carry any longer. Just ask for forgiveness right now. Maybe yours is, can't shake this one thing, keeps getting me. I can go three days, I can go a week, I can go two weeks, sometimes a month if I really put my mind to it. Is there something that you feel like you're slave to? (coughs) Just ask for the power of the resurrection to just reside in you. Strength to just say no, and the grace to walk that out. Do you feel separated from him? Ask him why you feel that separation. When he reveals it to you, just say, I see that. And then the last one, just just ask him, Father, where is my hope? Is it in the things of this world or is it with you? And if you feel like it's in the things of this world, then just say, Father, I don't put my hope and my trust in whatever it is, my family, my family, my job, my bank account, my cars, my kids. I put my hope in you. And I trust you. So Father, you've heard the the prayers of your people. Thank you that you do not turn a deaf ear to us, but that you heard every one of them. And now I pray for the grace to walk that out. Give them grace to to please you, to honor you. To not walk in shame and guilt and condemnation anymore. To walk in the power of the resurrected King Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'll be up here if, if the Lord brought something to your mind and you're like, man, I just need to talk to somebody about that. Me and uh, Brady, Amy will be up here. We'd love to pray with you guys. Uh, if not, you are dismissed. Go get your kiddos. Oh, we got one thing. This is Dwayne. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what we're we'll do is we're, when we're dismissed, a couple of people are going to come and pray for you. Pray for you and your family, okay? So uh, you guys are dismissed. If you feel led to pray for Dwayne, I'll be back there. We'll be praying for him. If not, uh, if you just want to talk to pray for anything else, we'd love to pray for you guys. Love you all.